Welcome back to the latest and the greatest of the Blue Brothers Sportscast. Real talk, real fans, we bring you Michigan football each and every week. I'm Caleb, and with me as always is Craig. Well, to be honest, I don't know really what to say here at the beginning. Um, you know, it's one of those shows where you say, you and me really go, hey, do we have to do it? <laughs> where do we start? Yeah, it is a where do we start kind of moment. It, yeah. So, um, I guess one thing will be just to go ahead and say the game finished 17 to 24. Uh, Michigan's lost to Notre Dame on the road. Uh, so what that makes it 0 6 for night games at Notre Dame for Michigan. That also makes Michigan 0 for 17 in the last 17 road games against ranked opponents. Um, for clarification, what a, what a road game is, because I saw some people get into this conversation. I was kind of like, why, why is this so difficult to understand? A road game is when you go to somebody else's stadium. Right. Uh, there are neutral games. Yeah. We beat Florida on a neutral road game. It was still road game for Michigan, but it's not a, what is labeled and all of college football knows as a true road game. So out of all the true road games in the past 17 times for his ranked opponents since 2006, Michigan has lost. So that extended that streak this weekend, and we had people call in to share their opinions with us. So, Are we on a four-game losing streak too, really? Yes, and yeah. I think I saw um, – I, I don't think the game's over with, but I think I saw that uh, they were talking and kind of comparing things for Mark Richt and Jim Harbaugh, that right. this is their first four-game losing streak. I think for Harbaugh it was since 2007, and Mark Richt I think it was since 2010. Right. And neither of them have gone on a five-game losing streak. So that's uh, that's an interesting thing to point out. I don't know if they've lost yet. I mean, it was pretty late in the game last I saw, and they were down by quite a bit. But we'll see. But I guess the best – well, one of the best ways we talked about this, just to kind of get started with, is that we have a couple voicemails. We'll start there. We'll listen. I'm sure we'll we will hear some interesting things. And then we'll build off of that and get into the conversation. Sound good, Craig? Sounds good. Let's do All it. Right. Here we go. Let's get started. Voicemail number one. Hey, uh, Stephen Brown. I really don't know what my Twitter handle is, man. I, I don't. I think it's at Mr. Durrell 1980. It should be something like that. But you know, before before anything, props to Notre Dame. They um. They made more plays than Michigan in the first half. So that's all they needed. The second half, Michigan's defense did what Michigan's defense does. Um, shut them down, less than 60 yards, only three points. <sighs> the safeties, man, um, you know. You know, up to the point, I don't even want to mention some of these players by name. That's how terrible they are. So the safeties and the left and right tackle, they're going to remain nameless for for the foreseeable future. But but those guys are just not good. And and one of them, I know, you know, <laughs> his dad played for Michigan. 
His dad was really good for Michigan. So he should really know what it takes to be good. I'm not saying he's his dad, but you should know what it takes to win at Michigan and be elite at Michigan. And he's just not good. Like that, you know, that guy couldn't block my son, and I don't have a son. That's how bad he is. Like, he, oh man, I, I, you know, I used to blame Drevno. I just think it's the talent. I think the offensive, some of the offensive tackles they draft are just not good. And high school, Jalen Mayfield and, and, and James Hudson need to be on the field for the foreseeable future when it comes to tackles. This was bad game management, bad clock management. Coach Harbaugh once again got out coached. What he needs to do is stop letting the calls go through him. He needs to choose an offensive coordinator and relinquish the play call. And that just makes more sense. Jim McElwain was brought there for a reason. The guy has two national titles as an offensive coordinator. Let him coordinate the offense. Let Pep Hamilton suggest some plays, but all the play calling should go through Jim McElwain. It's just evident at this point. Say Patterson was having two and three seconds. The, the offensive line is not fully bad. It's the tackles that are not good. They're not. These guys are, and I know they're young. People say, well, they're just kids. It doesn't matter. They're kids that are not good. The safeties are not good. Brian Hawkins, he was brought in there. How do you let a guy just take a, 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 a touchdown out of your hands when it's an interception? Like, how does that happen? I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to call again because my time is running out. And so here's the second voicemail to that. Okay, so um, this is the second part of my my uh, uh, voicemail. But you know, I'm sitting here watching this Alabama game, and and just the, the tenacity and and the the fervor they play with, just just how how elite freshmen want to be coming in. And then I look at Michigan, I see wide receivers not fighting to get more one more yard or a few more inches. I see running backs going down on contact. Like I just don't see the mentality. I think the defense is just tired. Like Michigan is going to start getting a lot of three-star guys on defense. They're going to lose out on a lot of recruits because the defense is just going to be carrying the whole team. They, this can't continue. Like Coach Harbaugh gets up in those press conferences and he says very little of nothing. From, from living in the South, so anybody who listens to this, this is how how different it is in the South when it comes to football. You you play how you practice. That's how you play. Now, we did. We heard all this talking about the offense and how good they were and how much better they were getting, how they wanted to prove people wrong. And the offensive line is just as bad as they were last year. You play how you practice. Look at some of these other teams. These Like, look at Clemson, Georgia, Alabama. Look at how they play. That's how they practice. And then you look at Michigan. That's how the offense practices. The defense was fine for the most part. They had a few hiccups. But the offense is just trash. Like, there are no more excuses for this team. I don't. It's not. The last year, I think. It, I think it was Craig. I'm. 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 I'm almost positive. It's the one that doesn't follow me. You're making excuses. You can't do that this year, man. You just can't. You can't. There's no way around it. These guys are juniors and seniors. Some of them have been there four years, four years, three or four years, and they're starting, and they still look bad. Donovan Peoples Jones was a five star. He's not even the best wide receiver on the team. Like when does it end? You you were he was a top fifteen player coming out of high school. He's not the top receiver on the team. Oliver Martin is better than Donovan Peoples Jones. 
Nico Collins is better than Donovan Peoples-Jones. Like, that's the mentality. So, apparently something stopped in high school with some of these guys. They, they, they started looking at their ratings and just say, okay, well, I'm cool. Like, this is a mentality. Like, Michigan, I don't want to hear anything about Rich Rod, Brady Hope. This is the mentality. This is who they are. And until that changes, they're, still, they're just going to be a mediocre program, man. Something, something has to change. Something major needs to change. And it's got to change now. Or not, we'll be looking at eight and five seasons for another few years. Go Blue. All right, Stephen, thanks for that call. Uh, not sure exactly what he was referencing there, but chances are if it was something about somebody who doesn't follow him, he's probably talking about me. So, um, yeah, I'm not sure necessarily what that was. Was he saying in last episode or did he say it on social media? I don't know. I'm not sure. But, yeah, I don't know. I don't feel like anyone or either of us is uh, necessarily making excuses. But one thing I'll point out, too, and I think it was actually in his first voicemail that he left. Um, and thanks again for calling. Um, it, he was saying how some people are talking about these kids playing this game. And it's just like, like fine, if you want to call them kids, I usually refer to them as these young men. Because as they are, they're out of high school, they're in college, they're um, put through a lot more... Tr- tests and trials than the average college student because of being a student athlete, especially at division one school. Um, but yeah, if, if you want to refer to them as kids and it's, then it's just like, fine, but you realize that they're on the field with other quote unquote kids. It's not like they're playing against NFL players. So they're playing against guys that are the same age, roughly. I mean, sure. Some of them might be freshmen, redshirt freshmen, whatever. Um, but they're still playing against people at the same age. So it, you know, you, you can't just be like, oh, but they're kids. It sounds you like know. to me, you know, what you're saying is, is when you have just awful play all the way around, awful preparation, um, in into coming to a game, and you know, and, and poor execution. You, you know, we usually use that word. You know, they're just kids, but when they play great, nobody says it. <laughs> Yeah, and, and I don't think he was saying. I think he was just saying that some people are saying, oh, such and such about these kids. And it's just like, okay, fine. If fans want to talk about these, like I said, quote-unquote kids, it's just like then compare them to the kids that they play against because they're playing against the same people the same age. So if their counterparts uh, are able, capable of doing the same things, then why aren't them? Why aren't well, they? What you're doing is you're kind of making the analogy of saying – you know, Michigan was bad because of the weather, you know, and you're like, well, the other team played in the same bad weather. So, yeah, that's, I mean, yeah, it wasn't bad when we were playing. It was bad for them and everyone else. So, right. Yeah. I get yeah. What you're saying. So, so that's a quick re, uh, thought on some things said there, but we'll definitely be touching on a lot more with that. Let's get to our uh, next voicemail though here. And then we'll dive into things. Hey, fellas, it's Lou from Twitter. Uh, first of all, I'd like to say, hey, guys, love listening to the show. Um, it's great unbiased uh, Michigan talk, which which is great. You two do a great job, and um, I will be continuing to listen to each and every one of the podcasts that I can. Uh, first of all, I'm not going to talk about what happened last night. Because uh, I think we all know, you know, what happened there and and what uh, transpired in that game, 
it's the same old from last season as far as I'm concerned. But the thing I want to talk about is all the fans out there that uh, – how do I want to put it that – criticize me for pointing out the obvious that occurred in a game last night. Um, I've been a fan for 45 years and will always be a fan. I love the Michigan Wolverines in every sport. I will always root and cheer for the Michigan Wolverines. So I think that gives me the right to to not be happy with results of a certain game or results of the season. It gives me the right to question why we can't win certain games, why we aren't performing well, and it gives me the right to criticize coaches. Um, I don't ever criticize really certain players. I don't really point anybody out, you know, as far as that goes. But after 45 years of being a fan, being through all the coaching years of uh, Bo and, and everybody after him, um, I've been through some rough times, been through some good times. And right now, it's not the, there aren't good times right now. There hasn't been for a while. 2016, granted, yes, that was a, a, a good year for us, but we still fell a little short. Uh, but there's been more bad than good. And for fellow Wolverines to say I'm wrong for criticizing our team because of the performance, I get it was a it was a night game on the road. I get that, but uh, you know we still should have been able to perform better. We obviously we weren't prepared. So with that being said, I just think that uh, you know going forward, I'm going to continue to uh, cheer on my Wolverines and root for my Wolverines no matter what. One lose or draw, I'm I'm gonna always be there to cheer them on. But at the same time, I'm going to let everybody know, you know, what uh, what went wrong and the deficiency that our uh, And it looks like he got cut off before he was able to finish and we didn't get a call back. Sorry, Lou. We appreciate that voicemail. Uh, I think that was the first time he's called in. So Yeah. Lou, um been talking to Lou quite a bit on social media and he's a great guy and he definitely knows his stuff and He's a good fan, and I think he's about my age, actually. So we go way back. In fact, um, I think it's pretty cool him talking about, um, you know, it, it does kind of give us a little bit of, if you want to say, veterans of Michigan uh, fandom. Him and I kind of have the age behind us because, you know, we went through the 70s, 80s, and 90s of Michigan and just seeing what kind of uh, – the way Michigan used to play, you know, hard knows rough we we scared a lot of opponents and and yeah i think that you're seeing it here in lou from his voice just saying you know we want to get back to those days and you know i know college football has changed but um you can see that get it he, he desperately wants that and i desperately want it and we haven't been seeing it too often lately so yeah and to go off of some of the things that he said i do now there's there's a completely different thing from getting into the fan banter where yeah. fellow yeah. fans will go back and forth and everything. But as it seems to happen all the time, and it's yeah. always unfortunate, and we talk about with Michigan fans, yeah, 
uh, the hostility, um, which I was a little surprised. Well, that's uh, the first thing I thought of, Caleb. Sorry to interrupt, but as soon as I knew Michigan was going to lose, this is when I go, all right, you're going to see a different fight on your hands. I mean, give the fact is a lot of passionate people, a lot of people are frustrated, and I get it. But yeah, you're, that's what you, I knew this would happen. So yeah, and uh, so I I actually even had a uh, a follower on Twitter say that they were going to unfollow me for a GIF. I posted an animated GIF, and they said I and I'm going to unfollow you in three, two, one. And I was like, okay. Um, well, what was the GIF? It was uh, the um, Billy Madison. Was wait, yeah, Billy Madison. Yeah, Billy Madison. Um, and it was the uh, Sloppy Joes. Oh yeah, right, right. Yeah. I mean, if you can't look at that game and th- yeah. and say that it was sloppy, I I don't yeah. know where you come from. But yeah, no, it was sloppy. So I mean, I mean, seriously, we're not we're not talking about you know Braylon Edwards. You know, when I read his tweet, I went, "Whoa, that's really." being a former Michigan player, having your, you know, name and your plaque, I think down in the, uh, I think that he has his name in there and, and Michigan lore and football lore. And you know what? And then for him to tweet that out was, yeah, really, really harsh. And actually I kind of was really surprised that he said it like that, but his delivery I thought was wrong and everything, but you know, it's, I see, I, understand his frustration because i think a lot of michigan fans do that have that kind of mentality but you know those are those times where you when you're frustrated you probably shouldn't tweet or say exactly how you feel at the time yeah um you know that's what happens well somebody even pointed out that there was a very good uh chance that braylon edwards wasn't exactly in the uh most the best form of mind or state of mind Probably During that not. time, they were somebody. Somebody put out the suggestion of uh, drunk tweeting. Yeah, I could. Yeah, which I'm not saying anything about who Braylon Edwards is. And I mean, let's face it, a lot of people were probably in that condition last night. Yeah. So who knows if it was somebody suggested that? I was like, yeah. But I mean, they're not saying exactly what he did, how he did, and how he said it uh, was okay. But I mean, you know, criticism is justified. You, you had all this stuff, and yeah, everybody gets sucked into it each year, but there's all this stuff th- during the offseason. We were happy about some of the changes, thinking that would bring some changes to the on-the-field production, and you didn't see any of that. The only change that you saw uh, in on-the-field production was at the quarterback position because there was a different quarterback. Frankly, right. I don't think it was because of coaching. It's just the fact it was a different quarterback. Yeah, and you're right. If you're walking into the season thinking – um. Michigan's not playing up to standards, up to the hype, you want to say, months out. And trust me, there was a lot of hype on this team um, and then really not seeing it performed and to call people out by saying, well, you got to support the team no matter what and not criticize them. Then I'm like, I'm sorry, then (laughs) that's not going to happen. I mean, because the biggest fans are the ones that criticize them um, and uplift them and, you know, and things like that. But, uh, yeah, I you know, Twitter's just like you were talking about. Social media is weird and wacky. It's like people are trying to tell other people how to feel and do things, and I'm like, I'm not really about that either. But, you know, then again, I'm like, if you want to block them, unfollow them like they did you, then all, you know, more power to them. So. Yeah, yeah, and I understand, uh, and I get that. 
And as Lou said, uh, thanks again to Lou and the Stephen for the voice and to Stephen for the voicemails. Um, we try to be unbiased. I mean, obviously we have a bias for Michigan, but we're also not living here with blinders on. So, right. um, just to go through before we get in depth about some some of the conversation, everything to go through some of the stats. Uh, first down, um, first downs for the game. Notre Dame had 21. Michigan had 20. Third down efficiency was actually pretty even. Um, six for 13 for Michigan, seven for 15 for Notre Dame, both around 46%. Um, total yards, again, close. 307 for Michigan, 302 for Notre Dame. Uh, the big difference being in how they got them passing was nearly 250 for Michigan, only 170 for Notre Dame, but then 58 rushing for Michigan, 132 for Notre Dame on the ground. A uh, lot more penalties for Michigan, but the penalty yards were not uh, a huge difference. Uh, seven penalties for 52 yards, while Notre Dame only had four penalties for 40 yards. Uh, Michigan wound up losing the turnover battle then with two turnovers to one, and the time of possession was in Michigan's favor with 31 minutes uh, compared to well, 31 and a half minutes compared to 28 and a half minutes for Notre Dame. Just some quick overviewing stats. You, you know what? I think um, you think about those stats you just threw out. If anybody, if I just said who had the better stats, most people would say, well, Michigan, and they probably won, right? And, they, and most people would pick them to win just based on those. And it didn't happen. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. If you if you didn't know the score of the game and yep. you just put two blank teams out there with stats, people would probably give it to Michigan. But when yep. it's that close, when it's that close all across the board, it's gonna be it's tough. Right. So. Right. Yeah. Um. Yep. The uh. So. <sighs> I don't know exactly how to start this out, but I guess part of this is, um. People are looking at this and saying, okay, it's hard to take anything positive away from it. And I can agree with that. And uh, the one small positive that I can say is um, the Notre Dame, or Notre Dame, the defense in the second half, like Steven mentioned, was doing its job. That looked like the defense that everybody expected. Right. But honestly, at the beginning of the game, for the first half of the game, the entire team. The enti- uh, all all the coaches, nobody looked prepared no, for this game. Nothing, and that's I'm glad you starting with that because that's the big glaring thing within what I think was probably the worst part of this game is the ill preparedness of the whole entire team, especially you know someone like Harbaugh who is should be prepared. They weren't. Yeah. Now here's here's the thing, and everybody talks about you had eight months to prepare and everything. This, this is almost what it looks like to me, and I'm not saying this is what happened, but honestly, watching it, this is how I felt. I felt like this team took eight months to get ready for football, but getting ready for Notre Dame, I feel like they did nothing. <laughs> I feel it just felt like they didn't watch That's film. True. It felt like they didn't have a game plan. It felt like they didn't know what their opponent was capable of doing. It's like they weren't even remotely um, prepared to play someone like Winbush. Yeah, it seemed like they were not familiar right. with anything. It was just like, okay, we're going to go out. We're going to play football. We're, we don't know who we're playing. Okay, Saturday's here. Boom, hit the field. You guys are prepared yep. for this. You, you're going to take care of business. And no, like the offense didn't play 
like they knew uh, what was going on. The defense in the first half didn't play like they knew what was going on. The only person that I feel like did their job, and you can look at the whole game and feel like, hey, they did their job like they were supposed to, was uh, Ambry Thomas. Yeah. Uh, yep. Just because he exploded and he gave Michigan life, you take that away yep. and Michigan would have just looked plain. Okay, Michigan looked plain awful pretty much the whole time outside of the defense yep. in the second half, but he at least gave them a little bit of life and made it so that wasn't completely embarrassing. Yeah, you know, you, in my opinion, in the very beginning of the game, think about this: is I mean, Notre Dame waltz all the way down there and scored pretty easily, but think about this: is you compound. I mean, I'm telling you, the refs don't like Michigan. I'm just telling you, that's just a plain, simple, simple fact that they don't. There's some bad. There were some bad calls. A lot of holding that wasn't called. Some terrible spot calling in in this game. And then the very, and then for us, for Michigan to seal it by having just undisciplined defense happening with you know uh, Winovich and you know, with the hit in the back gave. Notre Dame life again and you know for them to score another touchdown and it's just these terrible undisciplined that Don Brown should be having their team ready they weren't ready so during the first half they weren't yeah it, it and it honestly felt like nobody like I said was prepared I mean this goes on players and this goes on coaches getting their players prepared and it also comes from coaches for a game plan it felt like there was nothing there it felt like they just showed up to play football and then they were like okay now this is what we need to do and then they and then the defense made adjustments at halftime and they did their business kind of and then like they were like that and then they said well oh crap we're behind we got to start doing something yeah and another thing too, so it, it felt like they didn't prepare for Notre Dame. No, nope. it, it, it felt like they just prepared to play football, but didn't they? They didn't prepare to play Their Notre Dame. Yeah, right. and then um, it also felt like they had never run a two-minute drill in their life. <laughs> right, right. Are you talking about the clock management? <laughs> oh my gosh, yeah, dude. That's what I'm talking about. That's the most puzzling part in this entire look. You can say you know execution, you know bad, you know. We can talk about the play calling. I thought the play calling was horrid. Again, I thought it was vanilla. It was pretty uh, predictable. Again, there was nothing really. But the clock management, I swear, we we gave up about a minute and a half of time just by. And the huddling, you know, two, you had the three, you had five minutes and you had to get some scores down and you're huddling and you're, I'm like, are you out of your mind? And there was no clock management in this game. It just literally. I could not understand what was happening. Yeah, no, it was so confusing. Yeah. There was hardly any hurry up during that first route uh, when they went down the field to get that touchdown. And even then after that, during the second bout, it was bad. Um, so, yeah, just a, a lot of issues. And this isn't even just on the players. It's on, and uh, as uh, Steven mentioned, and I can't remember if Lou did, but uh, coaching. I mean, it was on the coaches. And, yeah, there is – uh, and we talked about issues before and everything, and we saw from the documentary of last year and all that that um, a lot of play calling came – well, not a lot. Some of the play calling came directly from Pat Hamilton and things like that. And honestly, you don't completely know who's pulling the tr- – uh, it, it goes through Harbaugh, but the question is who's making – who's deciding on all the play calls. Is it truly Harbaugh and everything? And if it is, it's just like, 
dude, something's not working. Just hand it off to somebody. Somebody needs to own it because right now, if it's truly being owned by someone, it is being owned extremely poorly. Because like you said, it's a four game losing streak. Yep. From last year to this year. Yep, it is. And you're going into, and we talk about this is you're playing Notre Dame. It's a rival game. You have to go in there and play it like it is. And that just, that adds to what Harbaugh is doing against his rivals, against big opponents. And I think it's, isn't he nine and nine now against. Uh, in, in the last 18 games, his record's nine and nine. nine, and nine. nine. Yeah. That's, I mean, you're just talking that he's average. So what I'm saying is, to me, it seemed like you're talking about the offense looked way out of um, sync. And the very fact is, you and I haven't even touched on how atrocious the tackling position is and the le- uh, left and right tackle is on this offensive line. And the very fact is, you're talking, I, we, I said this back, uh, what, months ago, I said, Jim Harbaugh hasn't named an offensive coordinator. I'm not sure it's a good or good thing here because it's very rare that you walk into a game without an offensive coordinator. And two, who's calling the plays on offense? So no one's going to blame Harbaugh, possibly. Then who do we blame? Pep Hamilton? Ed Warner? Do we talk about uh, McElwain because he's a receiver's coach? Who we, Who's the fingers going to? Last year was Drevno. This year, I don't know who to put the put the finger on because it was atrocious. There was no blocking at all in the passing game. And, and so I'm very confused on who to point the finger at, and yet there is nobody to. Yeah, because last year he was labeled as the offensive coordinator, wasn't he, Drevno? Yeah. 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 Yeah, and so this year I don't think anyone is. Right. right. Yeah, so it's just kind of like added to the confusion where you naturally go to the idea of, hey, go to the offensive coordinator. Right. Um, because even – okay – because here's a couple ways I look at it. It's like either the offensive coordinator is putting together a playbook and then Jim Harbaugh is choosing from that playbook or right. Jim Harbaugh chose the playbook and the offensive coordinator decides from that playbook what to run. Also, the offensive coordinator last year was in charge of the atrocious offensive line. Right. Well, you come to this year and nothing's changed. Offensive line is still a huge issue and the play calling has been still a huge issue. So right. uh, one thing that you can, uh, and so, yes, I, I, I mean, for what we know, Jim Harbaugh has little to maybe next to nothing with coaching the offensive line specifically, but what's the common denominator then between the play calling is then Jim Harbaugh. Like right. it right. could be poor uh, uh, game planning on, on uh, his part and everything, whatever it is though, the play calling and the offensive coordinator coordinating for this game and what's been proven for the past several games. Now I'll say this about the Ohio state game last year. What it seemed like to me, and I believe that I said is that it was very planned out, very lined up because for how bad that our offense was last year, how bad the offensive line was, how poor the quarterback play was and how difficult it was to get the offensive line or the running backs able to run against a good defensive line. That, was executed quite well, even though it was a loss. Because I even said it too. I even gave people a hard time. I was like, John O'Corn went out there and he kept us in that game. Not not saying I'm a huge John O'Corn fan, but it was just like he did what his job was supposed to be for probably like 80% of that game. Yep. And then failed miserably at the end. But it's just like there were some things about that game that were strategically planned out. With this one, it seemed like it came in and just like, okay, let's pull some from playbook and let's try to figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. And you're right. And you got, um, you know, a 
poorly executed offensive line, but compounded with the fact is you've got a really good uh, Notre Dame defensive line. So, you know, that's, you know, I'm not sure how good or bad the offensive line is. I just know when it comes to a defense like Notre Dame's, they're God awful. I mean, we're talking about this offensive line could not block whatsoever. In fact, they look worse than last year. Um, especially on the left tackle position, just uh, looked lost, didn't know where they were, and really gave the quarterbacks no time to pass the ball. Now, you t- talk to me about what you thought about Shea Patterson in this game. I mean. I thought Shea looked all right. I mean, uh, he did okay. He had his mistakes and everything, and he uh, he got he got nervous. He had that, uh, he must have had some of that nervous chicken or something. But yeah, you saw him get flustered, but go right. figure because he was game, being chased down probably 90% right, of the time. Right. And when he was given time, he succeeded. There was that yeah. huge pass play to Nico Collins. So yeah. I was impressed. Uh, I was um, pleased with Shea Patterson. He did some things that our previous quarterbacks weren't able to do, where he was able to extend things out and make things work. Uh, McCaffrey also did that uh, well. Uh, that was nice to see that we have a capable backup because uh, McCaffrey pulled out um, of the pocket and was able to extend the play and uh, keep things alive. So uh, that was good to see from both of them. But it's in the end, it's just kind of like if you don't give a quarterback time, I don't care who you put back there. You could put right. back. No. You could you could take Tom Brady from the NFL, <laughs> and he's right. still not, uh, he's not going to have – the best uh, stats because if you don't give him time, uh, nothing's going to happen. Now, obviously Tom Brady has his knack for being somebody who gets rid of the ball super fast anyways, but then that's also attributed to the play con because they account for that. Yeah. And you're right. When you got, it's a two, two seconds, two and a half seconds, a block pass. Well, what you're doing is you're talking right at the snap. And then you got to wait for your uh, receivers to do the play routes. You know they got to do the routes to develop. By that time, you don't have any time to throw, so you have to move and run out of the pocket in order to extend those routes to get open. That's what Shea tried to do, and I thought he did a pretty good job of doing it. Yeah, he he needs to learn how to. If you're about ready to get sacked, don't throw the ball up. <laughs> Oh, I mean, yeah. You just can't do that. And oh, yeah. You, I mean, that's just one thing you just can't. He did a couple times, and one almost got picked off, and he's lucky he just went to the ground. But uh, he needs to learn how to just get rid of the ball, just, you know, swallow it up and just, you know, take up for a loss. But um, to me, you can tell that he knew that, you know what, this offensive line is just not going to uh, block for me. And you can see in his face because I think in the uh, first or second series, they weren't blocking. He was uh, sacked. I think this first or second sack. You can tell he was pissed at the sidelines. He was re- really getting really mad because they weren't doing their job. So, yeah, um, yeah. and if you think about it, there's a lot of things. I think Michigan, when they line up at the line of scrimmage, is very, to me, questionable. And I cannot understand it for the life of me. Is if you can't, if you got the mo- both tackle positions. You got a right tackle and left tackle, and left tackle is the weakest by far in this whole entire game. It's just giving up big plays to the other team. Why in the world are you not doubling up on that? Why aren't you using your tight ends more for blocking? Why aren't you using your running back for blocking? 
And why are you doing five receiver sets? You know, why are you doing spreading out that? And I'm like, it makes no sense at all. Some of the offensive line schemes and what they were doing. I, I couldn't understand it. It just makes me cringe because I go, you have a, you have Gentry out there at the tight end. He's not a very good blocker, but why would you put him out there? You know, but he doesn't have any time. You need somebody's going to block because obviously they're going to need him on that left side of the block. So, yeah. Yeah, no, left tackle is definitely the uh, spot that is coming under high criticism because it's such an important position on that line. Uh, but to say the whole offensive line showed issues. Oh, yeah. Um, like, you, you can watch that whole thing again, and you'll watch on both uh, on both sides of that line. You'll watch the center of that line collapse. Everybody had issues, and let, yep. we'll give it to Notre Dame. They're going to be one of the better defensive units that we'll probably face throughout the year. Right. But – that's still no excuse for how bad it really was. And that's the thing too, is that um, people are talking about, oh, well, we're going to see what this uh, offense is capable of. And we're really going to see them come into their own here in the next couple of games. And it's just like, who cares? (laughs) Who cares what we see against Western Michigan and SMU? That's not going to be what we're going to see against Wisconsin, Ohio state, Michigan state, Penn state, possibly even Nebraska. That's not what we're going to see. You're not going to see the same thing because you know why they're going to have more capable defenses. They're going to be able to fight with our offensive line compared to Western. Heck Western and SMU could probably pose some problems if they scheme things correctly. We're talking about, we're talking about last year saying, where were the games that we thought we, they were cakewalks. We should have rolled through and we didn't air force and Cincinnati you and I were both at the Cincinnati game, and we both walked out of there saying, "Man, we should have done much better with that game than we did." Yeah. <laughs> well, we, then even yeah, it was and then close game through the third quarter. And, yeah, and and everybody got high on things with uh, Rutgers and Minnesota yeah. back when Brandon Peters took over, and it's just like, dude, wait until you actually play somebody. Also, Brandon Peters didn't have to do anything for either of those games because our running game was super right. productive. Right. So it's just like, yeah, go. For, so honestly, like I could care. I mean, yes, of course you want experience and you want them to get better, but anything we see against Western or SMU is going to tell us and show us nothing when it comes to then what Nebraska, Wisconsin, Penn state and uh, Ohio state and games like that, because it's just, it's just not, it's not going to be the same thing. Yes. You want to see them do better, but they could honestly shut both those teams out and score 50 points on both of them. And I would still be like, Show, show me against uh, another opponent because yeah. yes, ho- hopes are Notre Dame is legit. And of course, everybody goes through their ebbs and flows, ups and downs. Is the season over because of this poor performance at the beginning? No, it's not. Um, uh, any Anything could kind of happen. I mean, people talk about different things. I saw somebody bring up, you know, um, what happened with Ohio state and whatever it was, 2012, 2014, whatever it was, they, uh, they lost to Virginia tech at home, um, rather ugly. And then they went on and they went to the playoffs and they won a national championship. So, but I mean, we're, that's another thing though, too, is like, I remember watching part of that game. I don't think that their offensive line looked as bad as Michigan's. Now, of course, different scenarios, different things, but it's just like looking through this whole season, is there opportunity to get better? Do I think they'll get better? Yes. But I don't know if that offensive line is going to be able to pull it together for a run at a big 10 championship 
just with how poorly it was. Again, we're basing this off of one game, one what we hope to be a good, credible opponent. They they are a credible opponent, but how good they are, we really don't know at this point. Right. We I have mean, no clue. This offensive line is built for this kind of offense that he's trying to implement. Like if you talk about Shea Patterson, McCaffrey, and them, what he's working, you know, sometimes out of the shotgun and, you know, maybe a West Coast feel. Um, but it seems to me, I'm going, it doesn't feel like it's built for the pro, you know, pro style. I know it's not, but yet you're not blocking. So, and yet our quarterbacks aren't really running to get yardage. So what are we doing? It's like they're pulling out of the pocket to buy time for routes to get open, but nothing's getting done. So I'm this, this offense, I'm really having a hard time figuring out what their identity is. I mean, can you tell me what their identity is? I have no clue. I have a hard time following what they're doing and what they are. Notre Dame's I can, because I know Wimbush is like, hey, you know what? I'll dump it. I'll, I'll, I'll option if I have to, or I'll just carry it and run it, and I can throw it. And I know what they're doing. But yet, here at, at Michigan, I have no clue what Michigan's doing on the offense. I don't. Yeah, you know what he uh, made me think of those with Wimbush. Not not all saying he was a, sim- uh, a similar player to him, but it made me think of Denard Robinson, where this yep. guy's a better runner than he is a passer, but he's got good receivers that are going to catch the balls if he throws them in the general vicinity. Yeah, yeah. and I that mean, was the thing that wasn't accounted for. It's just like, okay, yeah, he's not a good passer, but hey, guess what? His receivers will catch it if he throws it somewhere close to him. Right, right. So right. that that hurt. That really did. But, yep. yeah, no, this offense, I don't see an identity. But for this to get to the level of being able to compete with the Nebraskas, the Wisconsins, the uh, uh, the Michigan State, the Penn States, uh, Ohio States and everything, it's not just the offensive line. Um, now, of no. course, so much revolves around it because better pass blocking gives the quarterback more time, being able to actually wait for plays to progress and actually pass the receiver when they're open or better produ- production from the awesome offensive line, more holes open up, running backs have a better chance of making plays. But it's more than that because it's also the play calling. Play calling like, is hard. Right? Yeah, so so it all it all needs to come together. And now I'm going to jump on too that the running backs weren't exactly helping things out either because there were issues where yeah. the running backs had opportunities that they were supposed to help block, which they obviously didn't. You can see footage on it that they – totally botched as well but then also there was one really terrible play where there was a a huge beautiful hole yeah that was opened up by the offensive line and the running back just went straight uh, and this is how i explained it to somebody it was just like it was like they called the play and the running back was like all right this is the play and they ran the play <laughs> like they took no time to look around they had no vision it was just like the play says run up the middle i'm gonna run up the middle and they ran right into the back of the offensive line when there was a huge hole to the left that they could have hit like, and probably easily gotten a first down a but b's open uh, i'm going through a <laughs> yeah <laughs> right when well, you're right i mean i'm talking about higdon wasn't productive at all i mean they gave him a lot of time in the beginning of the game but then like i said i actually looked at one of my buddies i just looked and i said you know we both looked and said, aren't they using evans i mean they didn't use evans till the very end of the game and he was pretty productive and i went where was him in the beginning of this usually he's pretty good at that change of pace back 
that they needed, and yet they did not use him at all in this game, very much at all, towards the you know second half. And I was like, it might be a little bit too late now. So that was really shocking too. Yeah, and oh man, where was I going to go with that? Yeah, the running game didn't help. It was pretty non-existent, really. I mean, it was like you said, there wasn't any big runs. It didn't help with the passing, and you know it. It's pretty much the same old thing where Michigan tries to bulldoze over people in the running game, and there is no passing game. So. Yeah, no, there was no balance there on the offense. But that's right. But we'll go back to it too, and um, we mentioned it. It's just like this is critiquing. This isn't uh, so. Yeah, sure, you can call it some of it criticism and everything. But this is critiquing. This is the film. This is what you watch. This is what happened. Yeah. yeah. And so, if the offensive line had their dialogue all off season all the time leading up to this. And they said that they're sick of that dialogue. They completely botched it. Yeah. Like the, if, if they want it to stop, if they want the conversation to stop, then they need to stop the defensive uh, line. They need to stop the blitzes. They don't even need to play a perfect game. They just need to be productive. And there was a huge lack of production and it was very, very poor performance yeah. on Saturday. But here's another thing too, where it's just like, you know, uh, you, uh, compare it to other people there. If, if people are saying that they're going to be, and, and I thought it too, and I, and I believe that could still be possible, but there's going to have to be drastic, drastic changes um, to be able to compete for conference championships or further in the postseason and everything. They have to be able to compete with those other teams that are already there or already doing some of those things. Right. If you watch part of uh, LSU tonight, they had a left tackle that blocked two guys at one time. <laughs> right. Granted, I think at one point he was holding, but still, he was working two guys at one time, and he was doing it successfully for most most of the play. I think at yeah. the end he got away with a hold. But at the beginning, he was holding off two guys long enough so that the running back could take a run. Yeah, it's crazy. And then you had in our side on our offensive line where Ruiz and Higdon were trying to block one guy, and they got motored and for a sack. <laughs> when yeah, he right up straight up the middle. Ruiz couldn't handle him and Higdon at the same time. They actually double teamed him, and the guy actually got through there and sacked. I went, you know which one I'm talking about. You just he shot. Oh yeah, up I know what you're talking about. Right, and I went, oh my gosh, both guys couldn't stop this guy. This is this can't happen. This just can't happen. Yeah. Well, uh, here's um, here's something else though. Uh, somebody put out there that in the last four games, Michigan has had two uh, an average of 278 yards per game, only averaging 16 and a half points a game, with 2.1 yards per rushing attempt. Yeah, that's terrible. That is awful. And then also, I think somebody else pointed out that um. Hold on, let me see. Uh, nope, I don't have it here. Um, that I believe that this next weekend, when Michigan plays, is going to be one year anniversary from the last time that a Michigan wide receiver has caught a touchdown. Wow, really? I, I think so. I I didn't get to double check that, but I th I I believe that might be true. Well, you're right. I mean, we had eight TDs. What eight, nine? If you're counting the bowl game, but. Um, TDs through the air last year, so yeah, I can believe that. Yeah. yeah, and and also here's another stat for you guys for the t for the bottom five in college football for most consecutive road losses versus ranked opponents. 
you have Colorado at 28, Purdue with 23, Kansas at 19, Vanderbilt at 19, both tied right there. The Michigan coming in at 17. That's a bad company right there, man. Yeah. So it's just like so. I mean, this is we're we're not writing this. Th- these are the numbers. This is what what it is. If if we had if we had good things to talk about, we would talk about those good things. Yeah. We already mentioned it though. The defense yeah. in the second half was good. Ambry Thomas was good. Yep. Nico and, Collins played well. Yeah, Nico uh, Collins stepped up well to uh, be a part of the receiving core and everything. But that's, I mean, where where else are you going to draw some? Uh, um, uh, McCaffrey looked good for backup yeah. quarterback. Mm-hmm. Um, Shay, if he's given time, looks capable because he connected with Nico Collins on that long pass. Yep. But but that's it. I mean, <laughs> you can't talk about the play calling. You can't talk about the offensive line. You can't talk about the running backs. You can't talk. Um, you can't pretty much say too much about the defense. They were okay. I mean, the second half they shut them down, but they were non-existent, undisciplined. You know, um, the bo- just opportunities missed. You had um, uh, a for sure interception in the end zone. You missed that. Uh, botched uh, field goal. Missed that. <laughs> it's like couldn't hold on to the ball on that. So special teams kind of failed there. And it's just there were so many things that were like against us. And then you have re- the refs that hate us. So <laughs> it's, just, it's a lot, man. There's just so much there that you just got to go. You know what? This this team has a lot of work to do. They really do. Yeah, no, it was it was and, rough and watching those um and then you look at the clock management is just, you know, like you said, just one of those things where I I couldn't understand it and to me it just looked like Jim Harbaugh got out coached again. It really did. So Yeah, it did not look good. Yeah. Um so and that's the thing is coming in at halftime and thinking, you know, what does Michigan have to do to do halftime adjustments coming into the second half? And I felt that Notre Dame were, were at a times just kind of like saying, you know what? Yeah, their defense is picking it up, but they kind of put their foot off the gas a little bit on us because I think they knew that Michigan won't be able to score on us. Yeah, that's what I, I, I you have to think about this is to a lot of the people out there. And I understand that you're like. Wow, we won on the road at night in muggy weather. So, because that's why there's a lot of cramping happening. I get that. Um, you had Mattel's getting kicked out for targeting. Um, we lost one of your, you know, safety guys. And then you have um, people saying, "Well, we only lost by seven. Well, we thoroughly got hammered in this game all game. Really, <laughs> it really was more of like." us playing catch up and then you had Notre Dame kind of putting their foot off the gas and our defense stepped up and we really struggled just to move the ball down the field. It really was that, that. And so I really didn't think there was a threat of Michigan in the passing game again. And here you got another team and we're going to walk into, we're going to the big house and playing Western. I get that. And trust me, Western's going to look at Michigan and say, we're not scared of you guys. I don't think any team out there is scared of Michigan whatsoever. And that's what I think you're seeing Steven say and Lou say, is saying, look, Michigan's got to be scary to a lot of teams. And I don't think any team that we play on our schedule is scared of Michigan at all. 
Yeah. Now, okay, so here you go. Here, here's a great thing, and I, and I wanted to look this up before, but I was looking up right there when you are talking, and this is what I want to say. And so everybody's talking about, oh, the Michigan defense, the Michigan defense, and I and I still, you know, believe in them and, you know, adjustments yeah, can be true. made. I, I have more belief in the Michigan defense than I do the Michigan offense. But let's point this out on how, oh, well, you can't say something more positive about the defense. No, you can't. Here you go. This is the reason why. There was only one time in 2017 that Michigan allowed – 21 points in one half and that was against Penn State here we are starting off the 2018 season okay against a ranked opponent fine I'll give you that okay it was on the road whatever but they already start off by letting up 21 points in the first half of play right Right. that is not a good place to start and they don't have their best running back Adams yeah they don't have their best run that yes yep Adams is at the NFL. He's not there. He's in the NFL now. So can you imagine if he was on the team, <laughs> they would have pounded us. Well, so they I'm- didn't even, they didn't even have Dexter either. Right. Exactly. The running back that they had, the running back that scored the touchdown, his first, that was his first game. Yeah. Playing, yep. uh, taking snaps, uh, as a starter. Yep. yep. And it, uh, he was the first person to score a touchdown for Notre Dame. And he like walked right in. Yeah. Yeah, so, well, yeah, no, that that is not good. Now, of course, are we going, like I said, are we going to be facing offenses like Notre Dame throughout the whole rest of the year? No. But still, for that to be the start of the season, sure, not a lot of other teams are playing such highly ranked opponents at, at this stage uh, of the year and everything. But but still, 21 points. I, I even doubt, um, maybe I can look it up. Um, I even doubt that in 2016, um there was anything quite like that either where there were 21 points let up in half. So yeah, there's a lot given up. Right. And, but that's the thing you're talking about here is it's saying here we are going Michigan. Did they have a chance to win? Yeah. Well, tie it, of course. Sure. You know, I'll give them that, but I'm also going, this is another year we're starting off where are we going to go through the season like last year and go, Oh, Michigan were in every game. We had a chance at the very end to win it, or we were we only lost by three points. We only lost by four, you know, or seven. We we were seven points away from tying the game, and we're going to keep doing that. And yet, I'm like, why does the offense need to be a little bit better than it was to win these games? And they can't do it. And that's the thing is, I'm going. I don't want to go through another eight win season and go, hey, you know what, we were. We, we were close to, in all these games, though. I'm going to go, yeah, but that doesn't count. It doesn't count. It doesn't matter if you were or not. But yet, if your offense can get a little bit better, if you can come out like you were talking about, yeah, you win against Western. Yeah, you win against SMU. And, you, and yet, you're going to hit Nebraska. Are you going to say start saying, well, we eked out a game? Well, you know what? We need to get a little bit better on offense to win these games because we're going to start getting to the meat of the schedule and we're not going to be there. Yeah. No, we were closer to getting completely utterly embarrassed in that game than we were to winning that game. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I don't. Yeah. I think that we, we kind of lucked up. I mean, I think our defense kind of stepped up, but I think they also took their, in the gas off the pedal. So, Oh yeah. No, we lucked out because of uh, the defense stepped up in the second half and Ambry Thomas had his touchdown. Honestly, that should have been a 10 to 24 point game. Yeah. Oh yeah. Easy. And so uh, no, it was, it was bad. Like you can, people can talk it up as much as they want on saying, Oh, we were so close in that game. We almost tied that game. No, it was bad. 
Yep. It was bad. It was bad. It was bad. Like, even yeah. if we won that game, yeah. we would not have been the better team. Yeah. Like, right. walking away, uh, stepping away from that game and everything, you knew that Notre Dame was the better team, whether it was just from how their players played, but also from the coaching. Yeah. You saw yeah. how things were better coached. Yeah, all the stats that you threw out, it doesn't matter because you and I watched the same game and, and Michigan wasn't in this game. I mean, really wasn't. So. Yeah, it it was no, it like people can talk about that and really honestly the, the only game that I really go back to, I don't know if I broke it would break it down more than that or whatever where it's just like, "Oh, we were we almost won and we should have won or whatever." Would go back to the the overtime game with Ohio State back when and have that argument. Outside of that, a lot of these other games, especially this one though, it's just like, "No, we were closer to having it be more of an embarrassing game than actually being a potential of tying and or winning it." Yeah. Um something else I wanted to point out though, since Don Brown has been here, and I'm not, you know, attacking him. I'm just saying, you know, this is where we start the 2018 season on. I am quite certain that this is only the second, possibly the third time that in a half the Don Brown defense has allowed 21 points and everyone boasted about that going into going into this game. I mean we we were both high on the defense. Oh, we, yeah, we of course we were. We yeah. were high on it and everything, but I saw some people go way over like they were I I don't even really want to go into some of the things I saw some people say like it baffles me how how blind people can go into especially the first season of the game and be like you guys do people not realize that other teams can get better in the offseason too and not just Michigan? Right, right, exactly. It's it, Other players, other teams have the opportunity to get better between each season just as much as Michigan does. Honestly, it seems more than Michigan does as things have been going on. Anyways, um, but yeah, so to start off this season with having the only second or third time uh, with Don Brown's defense allowing 21 points in a single half – that's not a good starting point. I'm not sitting here and saying anything from the standpoint of Don, you know, we should threaten Don Brown's job or anything, but it's just like, we returned so many starters this year. Chase Winovich stayed on to play this year. Yes. We lost Mo Hurst and we lost some other people. Yeah, absolutely. That's going to happen. But still we returned so many people. And then that's the first performance that we have. Now the second half is what you would expect from a Don Brown defense. So I'm kind of repeat the O line, right? Even like you were talking about the hype over the O line being much better than it was. You'll see, watch, it'll happen, and then you know you get up there, and every play, even the running plays, you tell me that O line does was pushing. They weren't pushing at all. They get they seem to get pushed back. But they don't do. They don't push at all at the line of scrimmage, man. Every time I see it, I go, "You guys look like you're getting either if it's either balanced out or you're get, you're getting pushed back." There's no push up front, and that right there worries me. Oh. Yeah, if you guys just want to watch these games, just watch the line, yeah, and you watch. can you can almost yeah, guarantee just, just watch them, right? Yeah, just watch the line, and if you see and if you see how productive they're being, you're going to be like, okay. Either this play is not going to work, or we're going to get lucky. Yep. Right. Or, or sometimes you're going to be like, "Hey, we might get a good play out of this." Yeah. But then, you watch it, you watch it, and you'll be able to tell. You're going to be like, "This isn't going to be good." Yeah, and like I said, you know, you get all this <laughs> mess in one little baggage, and then you throw on the cherry on top and say, 
the refs don't really didn't help. There was a lot of holding calls against you know, on us, and it didn't get called. And spots were in favor of them, and you know. It, and then the time ran out during the field goal, and they still called it good. Right, right. No delay exactly. game. Yeah, I know. Yeah. No delay of game. Right. Those kind of things. You know, hold. You know, anytime Jim Gentry went up to catch a ball, they were grabbing his arm and pulling it down. I'm like, okay, don't call that either. It was just like constantly, nonstop uh, pass interferences here and there, and it's just you know, it's that's the way it is. That's the way Michigan's got to play. Michigan's got to play, and you got to beat these teams. And you got to beat them good. So. Yeah. All right. So quickly, before I kind of go through the rundown of the closing statements and everything, what, where do we go from here, Craig? What, what do you see? Like now that we have a game in, cause we did our season preview and everything. What do you say moving forward? Like, you know, I see, um, what kind of regular season record I see, like, what do you have to say? Well, at this point, I just see, get your plate, get, your playmakers making plays. Get Shea Patterson to do what he does best. Try, stop trying to fit him into a, a hole that he's not used to. If he's not used to this kind of offense, if it, and that's not how he's used to it, like at Old Miss, then change it up. You're going to have to change it because it's not working. And you got to get some um, some kind of push on the offensive line, and you got to block on passing. You can't have two second blo- uh, pass blocks in this at this kind of game and, and and our quarterbacks will not last i to me i've heard a couple people say your quarterbacks are trash and i sit there and go there's no way that you can go through people like um uh, wilton spate uh O'Coin, uh shea patterson peters uh mccaffrey all of those guys right there all seem to suck because i'm like that that that's way too the odds are way too much against that i'm sorry that there's no way that's happening it's the offensive line it just these guys don't have any time to throw and that's my thing is we're it's going to be a long season if they don't shore that up i don't know how they're going to do it but i think jim harbaugh is going to have to relinquish some kind of game plan to somebody else like McElwain, like steven was saying yeah Yep. No, that's good to point out. What do you think for a, from a record standpoint? Like, what do you think the regular season could end out to be as they've started out own one right now? Man, I, it's really tough to judge because you know Notre Dame does have a really good defense, so that's a really tough one to under, you know get down and try to figure out. But the course it seems like it's going. Well, you have to think about Penn State really struggled with um, uh, App State, which brings back nightmares, but. Um, and then you had um, MSU, Michigan State, struggle with Utah State. So, yeah, them, you know, usually people sometimes do struggle with their first game. But um, the way things are going, if I see this offensive line and the way it's going, I, I see them back at eight wins again, I mean, eight, eight or nine wins. Ooh, going from 11 to eight? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I mean, um, based on what I'm seeing, if that doesn't change and seeing – Look, I would say this, Caleb. If you, if it was one facet and it's really a glaring one, really like this is your biggest weakness, that's cool. But I see a lot of weaknesses in this this team: play calling, clock management, uh, uh, the offensive line, um, undisciplined and on the defense, uh, botched snaps, you know, on the special teams, things like that, all compounded um in this game and i just it worries me 
Yeah. If nope. I didn't have that many, I wouldn't say that. <laughs> so. No, I get that. Yeah, I get from what you're saying if nothing changes. Uh, I'll go ahead and jump in and say if nothing drastically changes, I see uh, three losses. Okay. I, I see like nine and three. I think that they're going to change, that they'll be able to get some change for things to be better. And uh, we're going to have to see this in Western and MSU and games like that, not where they're just like, okay, we're going to come back out with the same game plan and play against these easier opponents, and that's going to make everything better. No, it's like the game changes need to happen in those easier games so that you're used to it, and then you can implement it in the more difficult games. So um, I see... I'm thinking, I'm hoping worst case scenario is nine win regular season. I think with the changes, you can get the 10 wins. I think it's going to be stretched to hit 11. I mean, because that's going to have to, uh, obviously, they're going to have to win out. So I'm thinking uh, worst case, uh, well, okay, that's not really worst case. On the bad side of things, nine. On the good side of things, 10. I know that there's no room in between and everything. But, yeah, I don't see how, unless... Of almost a miracle happens and everything gets fixed. I don't see how they get through here without at least one more loss because it, it's going to take time. It, it takes time to fix issues like this. So, just, like for instance, do you think this game against Western is kind of a a telling game for Michigan on what they do? Do you think this game coming up is? Uh, uh, yeah, it'll be pretty telling to see exactly how it goes and exactly what they do because it's just like, okay, are you going to just sit there and be like, oh, no, we just messed things up, so we're going to do the exact same game plan, which right. seemed like no game plan at all? Or are they going to come out and be like, okay, we really approached it. We really know these things need to be fixed. We're going to work on it. We've got to change some things up because it's not working. Right. Well, I'm the reason I brought that up is because if you think about last year and how, you know, we won, but yet I'm talking about the the games that we went through last year that we should not have struggled with, and we struggled like Cincinnati, uh, Air Force. Air Force kind of gives us fits, but um, especially with Cincinnati, is we struggled in that game, and we struggled this. In the this is where I'm going to say, if we struggle against Western Michigan to score the very easy end zone, just getting a pass through the air in the end zone and just able to get a touchdown in Western against Western. I think we're in big trouble. Yeah. Really, yeah. If we don't get a passing touchdown, no, that's terrible. Something. Yeah. I just think if it's a struggle, if we, let's say we're on the five yard line and it seems like it's, it's going to, it takes us forever just to get a touchdown or, you know, against them. I think that's a big telling sign that Michigan's going to struggle throughout the year because they did it with Cincinnati. They let them, you know, we couldn't score. Remember how many times we were really in the end zone? We just couldn't score. We couldn't punch it in. We just were bad all year getting touchdowns. And I hope it, this isn't the case because it certainly looks like it. Yeah, no. Well, it um, uh, it is a Western team that let Syracuse put, what, like 55 up on them or something. So, yeah, no, this yeah. we have to see something this week. So, yeah. Um, okay. Before we, I get into like kind of, uh, just some final things that that's us talking about the game. That's where we're at and everything. Let me get, um, see if I can bring it up here. Cause this is also the first time that we will be doing this for this season. Cause it's our first recap game. 
right. Hopefully that's not too loud. Um, all right. So score a uh, Big Ten scoreboard breakdown. Um, we've got uh, Minnesota took out New Mexico State 48 to 10. Uh, Big Ten play Northwestern beat Purdue 31 to 27. Michigan State pulled off a win uh, against Utah State at home 38 to 31. Wisconsin took a little while, but they finally picked up steam and finished 34 to three against Western Kentucky. Illinois came back from behind against Kent State, won 31 to 24. Maryland, surprisingly enough, took out ranked Texas at um, with a final score of 34 to 29. Ohio State putting up the uh, top points, 77 to 31 over Oregon State. Uh, Rutgers uh, coming out with a win versus Texas State, 35 to seven. Iowa 33 to seven over Northern Illinois, Penn State having to go into overtime to be App State 45 to 38. Uh, Indiana with the 10 point win over FIU final 38 to 28. Uh, and then the Akron Nebraska game was actually uh, I th- was it completely canceled or was it postponed? I'm not sure. But, yeah, they didn't play. I don't know if you guys saw the pictures or not, but there was really bad lightning storm over by where they were at. So, our results from the first week here. Um, Craig is getting a point for going with the under with his score um, prediction. He also gets a point for uh, lock it or dump it about the wide receivers having more receptions than the tight ends. He also gets another point for um, dumping that there will be more passing touchdown than rushing touchdowns because there was only rushing touchdowns. Yeah. So total three points for Craig in week one. Uh, for me, I took the under as well, so that's one point. Uh, I also did the rushing touchdown uh, dump, and so I got a plus one for that. And I also got a plus one from the game, the lot game of the week with Iowa winning by 10 or more points. So we are both, yeah, we are both tied at three after week one. Can't forget that. Maryland pulling it off again. How about that, man? Texas is just a mess. Yeah. What the heck happened to them, man? Talk talk about how tough things are for Michigan. Things are not looking good with Texas either. USC is coming back around. You look at those programs that have always kind of had historic things, like Notre Dame went through their their time. USC went through their rough time. Texas is still uh, dealing with theirs. Michigan's not having a good time. Uh, Those programs like that um, going through. Michigan has been in a a long, long time, though. So, yep, that's... That's that. It's a long episode, so we got to get this done and post it, man. Yeah, I know. I mean, it, it was kind of a weird day, a weird weekend for the Big Ten, hasn't it? I mean, you know, a lot of games seem to be in question, like Penn State going to overtime with – they almost lost that game, obviously, and then Michigan State with Utah State struggling and uh, Maryland beating Texas, which I thought was really cool, and Michigan losing, so – SEC rolled pretty good. So, yeah. Um, well, it it was a rough game um, for Michigan and everything, but I know I say it for both of us and everything. Uh, it doesn't change anything that we're not uh, supporting the team and not uh, rooting for the team and everything. It's disappointing and everything. I had a tweet about it. 
and uh, people seem yeah. to latch on it uh, quite a bit. But yeah, we're we're still here. We're we're still rooting for them. There's still the whole season to be played. Oh yeah. Um, so there there's opportunity, but there's a lot that's going to have to change, and so only time will tell. Yeah, I mean, what you do, you do your best. You know, you can be cr- critical of your team, root for them. Obviously, you want to cheer them on, get them, uplift them, and get them going. And you know, the, 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 this game's over with, and time to focus on Western. And you know, that's our job is just to cheer them on. But yeah, the coach's job is to get them prepared, and I hope they are. I really do. Yeah, me too. And just don't call out specific players. Just yeah. in the very least, don't do that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, even if Braylon Edwards says it. All right, so we'll finish things off with Go Blue, and we'll catch you guys next time.